Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Hey, man, it is so cool to baptize, to have great things going on in our church. We're opening up that new environment, Doc 45. It's a very, very cool environment. And God's just doing some pretty amazing things. And uh, one of the things I want to celebrate is the, the blessing of seeing all of our needs, our current needs met last week after you guys, you guys stepped up, stepped up in giving. There were some really special giving opportunities that people took advantage of and uh, we're continuing to meet the needs that are, are in front of us and there still needs to be met in front of us as well. So God bless you for your faithfulness in giving. If you have any questions or anything about giving, please don't hesitate to ask. We're an open book about it. And so we appreciate your generosity. One of the most exciting things that we are doing right now is the 40 miles of prayer. 40 miles of prayer. Did everybody get one of these? All right. This is your uh, record book. This is your ability to uh, keep track of those 40 miles every day. Well, here's what we're asking. Every day you would take and walk a mile. If you can't walk a mile, jog a mile. I mean, uh, <clears throat> ride a mile, drive a mile, whatever you have to do. If you drive a mile, drive slow. Otherwise, that prayer moment might be very, very short, depending on how fast you drive. <clears throat> but we're asking everybody to, drive, uh, to, to go a mile a day and pray during that mile. And we want you to go through your neighborhoods. We want to go... Uh, <clears throat> around your workplace, whatever it takes to connect with where you live and what is going on in your neighborhood and see God move. God moves when we pray. God moves when we put our faith in action. And the, the action that we give when we go and we share our, our faith with a friend, when we invite a friend, um, you might, might, been, might have been praying for a friend forever, it's time to invite and, and starting in the, in the coming weeks, we'll have Easter invitations for you, so you can invite them to Easter. And uh, so 40 days starts on Tuesday. Tuesday, we start walking a mile every day, riding, driving, whatever we do. But uh, on this, we encourage you to use it. Just check those days off. And then um, you have an opportunity. I prayed for, and you can write down who you prayed for. We're not going to collect these or anything. Okay, so this is not a test. This isn't school. Um, I met my neighbor. Maybe you're, as you're walking through your neighborhood, you're meeting new people. You can write down their names so you don't forget their names. Um, I invited so-and-so to church, um, and I, need, I see a need. And maybe there's somebody that needs their weeds pulled. Maybe you find a place that needs some paint on the building. We, maybe we can do something about that and become a practical source of encouragement to our neighbors, not just a, a, a spiritual one, but a practical one. And so, um, although being spiritually aware is, is a practical thing. And then on the back it says, what I hear God saying. So hopefully while you're praying, you're hearing and you're listening to what God is saying about your neighborhood, about the strongholds in your neighborhood. Maybe there's some challenges in your neighborhood you know about. Whatever God is speaking to you, we want, we want to encourage you to use this journal as a tool to hear God's voice, to speak to the, the people around you, to, incur, to invite people, to meet people, whatever it takes, we're going to spend the next 40 days praying and asking God to move his hand across our communities. And we believe that God's going to do something amazing. I believe this is a game changer. I believe that this, 
The capacity of this room might not be enough for Easter because of it and because you're inviting, because you're meeting people, because you're, you're, you're excited in your heart, the faith that comes when we do what God has for us to do. We also want to encourage you, pick up a t-shirt, all right? Five bucks. Five bucks for this t-shirt, and it's, it, it pays for the cost of it. And if you can't afford it, we still want you to have one because we want you to walk in this t-shirt for the next 40 days and just walk through your neighborhoods. And uh, we're not asking you to knock on doors or anything like that unless God leads you to do that. But uh, most importantly, just walk and pray. Walk and pray 40 miles of prayer. Okay? So those t-shirts are right outside the door, and we just encourage you to get one. And if you can't afford it, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll give you one. Or give what you can. And if you can afford more, great. Awesome. But whatever the case is, grab a t-shirt. Let's go make our presence, or most importantly, God's presence, known in our communities. Amen? Yeah. Amen. For the next 40 days, starting Tuesday and ending the Saturday before Easter, we're going to see God's hand move powerfully and mightily. We've been in a series called Why Not Us? Why Not Us? And I'm going to, uh, I may wrap it up today. The Lord has just been speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me about little messages that he wants you guys to hear and wants us all to embrace as we allow him to work in our hearts. This whole series is about why not us? Why not the, why can't we be that, that person, those people, that church that makes a difference in our world? There's no reason that it couldn't be us. Because we have a mighty God, an all-powerful God, a God who can do more than we could ever ask or imagine, and that is the faith that we want to inspire in our hearts today. Our vision is not about the condition of the world. It is about the condition of man's heart. You've got to hear that, and you've got to embrace this thought. We're not here about the condition of the world. We're here about the condition of man's heart. That's what we're addressing. That's what salvation changes. That's what the, the faith in God makes the difference. And so I encourage you today to embrace this vision that we are trying and doing everything through the 40 miles of prayer. We're going to do everything we can to address the condition of man's heart. That's the best way to, to, to address the condition of our world. Amen? Amen. So we've talked about God fights our battles. We've talked about uh, no need to go big, just go. Just do something, let go of the past and press forward towards the goal. Don't wait for the perfect moment because there isn't such a thing. Um, get out of the rut. Live a life filled with risk and faith and comparison kills. God wants to use who you actually are to reveal who he actually is. That's a powerful thought. If you didn't get it last week, get it this week. God wants to use you, wants to use who you actually are to reveal who he actually is. That's a, good, that's a good one. Have you ever heard the phrase, burn the ships? Burn the ships. There was a conquistador. His name was Hernando Cortez. He, was to, he landed, his Spanish conquistador, he landed on, in, in Mexico on the shores of the Yucatan. And uh, he only had one objective, and that was to seize the great treasures known to be there. And uh, uh, by the Aztecs. And so uh, Cortez was committed to his mission, and his quest for riches is legendary. It's, it's, it's a, a big piece of Spanish history. Um, Cortez was an excellent motivator. He convinced more than 500 soldiers and 100 sailors to set sail from Spain to Mexico, commanding 11 ships to take the world's richest treasures. 
And so the historic question is how a small band of Spanish soldiers arrived in a strange country and swiftly brought about the overthrow of a large and powerful empire that was in power for over six centuries. For Cortez, the answer was easy. It was all or nothing. All or nothing. A complete and total commitment. So here's how Cortez got the buy-in from the rest of his men. He took away the option of failure. He took away the option of failure. It was conquer and be heroes and enjoy the spoils of victory or die. When Cortez and his men arrived on the shores of the Yucatan, he rallied the men for one final pep talk before leading these, his men into battle and uttered these three words that changed the course of history. Burn the ships. He met with resistance from his men, of course. Like, what? These are our ships. Burn the ships, he repeated. He then uttered these words. If we are going home, we are going home in their ships. With that, Cortez and his men burned their own ships. And by burning their own ships, the commitment level of the men was raised to a whole new level. <laughs> when, when you don't have a backward, a reverse in your car, the only way to do is go forward, right? Come on. <clears throat> a level much higher than any of the men, including Cortez, could have ever imagined. Let me ask you, when you started following Jesus, did you burn the ships? Did you burn the ships? Did you leave behind what you thought was great, what you thought was amazing? What, even, even if it was difficult, did you leave it behind? Have you left your sin behind? Have you left the things that you trusted in, in yourself behind when you put your faith in Jesus? When these people said yes to, I commit to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, Basically, they're saying, I'm burning the ship. My past is behind me. My future is before me. And I'm going to do everything to follow Jesus. That's the call of the Christian, by the way. Many people think it's the call of the pastor or the call of the vocational ministry leader or the call of the person. He, uh, he, the pastor needs to burn. The prophet needs to. The teacher needs to burn the ship. Not, not the congregation. No, what we misunderstand is that the call to follow Jesus is the same call for everyone. We are all called to follow Jesus with our whole heart, with everything we've got. And when we do, we experience a great blessing, not without challenge, though. So I want to talk to you about a prophet, or two prophets, actually, that um, you'll find in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 21. We start with this story about Elijah. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and, now he had, and how he had killed all the prophets, 450 Baal prophets and potentially 400 prophets of Asherah with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like, like that of one of them. And so Ahab, the king of Israel, he was the king of Israel for 22 years, and he had a wife named Jezebel. Jezebel was um, <clears throat> of royal blood. She came from the royal lineage. She was a worshiper of Baal. And her role, her historical 
uh, legacy, if you will, was to kill prophets. Kill people who were called to serve God. And so her job, and, and in today's church world, there's, a, there's a, a phrase called the spirit of Jezebel. Now, I don't know if, if she exists in spirit today, but there's a, a philosophy that goes around talking about this, this type of person who creates fear in the hearts of ministers, of pastors, of prophets, of anybody trying to do something for God. So much so that they freeze up and don't do ministry at all. And I've met pastors, I've experienced this myself in different uh, ministry contexts. I've experienced those people that like to intimidate, they like to um, create fear, they like to uh, cause you grief and pain and all these kinds of things. They like to stir up trouble, they like to uh, take out the ministries. And sometimes they don't even know that they're doing it. Because they're critical. They think their critiques and their critical nature. And by the way, I'm okay with critiques, but I'm not okay with critical. There's a difference between the two. If you have ideas, thoughts, questions, concerns that are to grow the church, that's a critique. If you just want to tear somebody up, that's being critical. So be careful. Be careful. Now I'll listen to you no matter what. Okay? And, and, and I know other people will as well. But we just want to encourage you that the, the whole goal of any communication is to bring unity, to clarify vision, and to move forward together. Amen? Amen. Amen. No Jezebels. No Jezebels. This is a crazy verse was said of Jezebel in, verse 20, in, in 1 Kings 21, 25. It says, There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, ur urged on by Jezebel, his wife. Jezebel was a bad girl. You just don't want to be a part of that kind of thing. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now this was after Elijah had just called down fire from heaven on his own uh, sacrifice before 400 prophets of Baal because he, he was taunting the prophets of Baal who thought that they had their act together and they couldn't get fire to come down from heaven to burn anything. And Elijah calls fire down from heaven on behalf of God and God shows up and burns up his offering and then kills all the, the, the prophets of Baal. This is after seeing God do something miraculous, Elijah is afraid. When he, when he uh, came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Let me just challenge you with this one thought right here. Anytime you have a hyper experience, you are in a vulnerable situation to, be, uh, th to think it's about you. God wants to do great things, big things, huge things, things that are unimaginable. But when they happen, and I've seen this happen to so many pastors, so many people who think that because God's moving, they, they take their guard down. 
And that's true of individuals, that's true of ministries, that's true of everybody. And then you, you find out that there's an affair happening, or there's something going on, or they've mistreated money, or whatever the case may be. They, they, they think they're all that in a bag of chips when they forgot that God was the, all that in the bag of chips. And that's why we never share God's glory. God gets it all. Anything good happens here, it's God. Anything so-so happens here, it's one of us. All right? Anything bad happens, it's the devil, all right? <clears throat> we have to be careful not to live in the hyper, but live in the moment of faith and celebration. I think it's important. We celebrate what God did financially for us last week and, and continue to, to, to see God move in the future. But it's God. It's God. It's not one man. It's not a bunch of people. It's God. And God does his thing. And so Elijah has run from Jezebel. Remember, he's a prophet called by God. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some tortillas and some horchata. <laughs> he ate and drank and then lay down again. I love this because God, God is a nurturing God. He, he cares about us, even the little things, even the food we eat which we're going to eat after this, this, um, this time together. The tables and everything are being set up out there. And he went back to sleep, which is a sign of depression, by the way. Um, if you look at, at what's really going on here, Elijah has taken all of this very personally, and he's internalizing this pain and agony that he's going through. Verse 7, Then the angel came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is, is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So the angel was gracious to a fearful prophet. And that fearful prophet kept running and running and running. In fact, he ran all the way from northern, the northern kingdom in Israel to, through Judah to the very bottom of, uh, or south, <clears throat> to the bottom of Judah, the southern kingdom. And now he's hiding in a cave. Big, powerful prophet called down fire from heaven and consumed the, the, the offering. And God shows up and it's amazing. Kills 400 uh, prophets and... Now he's afraid of Jezebel. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you in a cave? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He's whining. He's crying. Now, to give him credit, I might be doing the same thing if I just thought I was a whole bag of chips and I was all that and I just, I went from that to being threatened by Jezebel. What is going on? God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? I'm a zealous person for God. Why are the hard times coming? And the truth is, is that when you are on the front lines, you are a target of the enemy. And he will always, always come for you. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain. 
in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, the Lord wants to say something. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. <clears throat> but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. What's going on? I thought God, when God showed up, it was like spectacular and big things. Oh man, I just can't wait till God speaks. Oh God, speak to my heart. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, it's not in the hyper moments that God often speaks. It's in the quiet moments. He's speaking right now. He's speaking right now. It's not in that hyper moment when all the, 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 the horns are playing and all the crazy stuff is going on. And it's not that. It's, he's speaking to you right now. Put your seatbelt on because God is speaking to you right now and he wants to speak clearly to your heart. Don't wait for the dramatic moment to hear the voice of the Lord. He speaks in a gentle whisper. The voice said to him, again, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He replied, I've been a very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He repeats the same complaint. He, 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 just, he just isn't getting it. God is speaking to him. and He, he doesn't get that, hey, dude, you, you were a part of something spectacular and you've already forgotten the power that's available to you. You've already forgotten it. You've forgotten what's going on. And <clears throat> then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back to where you belong. Don't, don't run here. Don't get all afraid and scared. Go back. And he says, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus where when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu over Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha the son of Shaphat from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who uh, escapes the word of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 people in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down. Remember, uh, Elijah said, I'm the only one. Elisha, Elijah had to realize that he's not the only one. He still has a job of ministry to 7,000 people. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Get back to work, prophet. Now here's the challenge, and we'll get a little deeper in just a moment. But here's the challenge. We, some of us in this room have been called to serve the Lord, and because of fear, because of, of something that's keeping you back, that's holding you back, you, whatever you, you, I'm not educated, I don't have the gift, I don't have the talent, I don't have the skill set, I don't have, whatever it is, and maybe somebody's offended you, maybe you've been hurt in a previous church. Maybe you've been hurt by, by us somehow. I don't know. But what God is saying is it's time for you to pick up what you have been called to originally and get back to it. Because if you're not, 
the ministry is, isn't happening. The ministry that you've been called to, the, the blessing, the anointing that you have on your life. He's saying, Elijah, go back and do what I've called you to do. And I believe what God is speaking today is that there are people in this room that have been called, that you've had a call in your life for years, and you got afraid, you got scared, you got hurt, you, something happened, and you stopped, and you settled, and you've accepted to live in a cave. And it's time to get out of that cave. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Now, I don't know. This is really interesting. Did he just like run out in the field and throw the cloak and then run away? I, I don't know because it says that Elijah then left the oxen and ran after Elijah. What's going on here? It's like, okay, I'm back doing my thing. Uh, you know, Elijah still has this weird thing going on like he needs to run. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. By all accounts, Elisha was a wealthy guy because there are 12 oxen here. That's a lot in this economy. In this Old Testament econ economy, it was a lot of people, and he was out plowing with his other team members. And Elijah went up to him and put the cloak. The cloak is the sign of anointing. It's the sign of a, a, a position, a role that's, that's been given. When I was um, ordained as a, as a pastor, I was given a, a cloak. And I, I wanted to find it, and I couldn't find it, but um, it's a cloak that represents the calling of God on my life, this anointing. And it's, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's a symbol. It's not anything special, <clears throat> but it's a symbol. And that's what Elijah put over Elisha and then Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And he said, he said, and then I will come with you. Some of you have that mantle on you. Some of you already have been given that cloak, that, that covering, that calling. You know it in your heart. You know it in your mind. You've experienced it in your past. And God is desirous to see you fulfill that calling. The story ends, go back. Elijah replied, what have I done to you? Why do you want to go back? He just wanted to say goodbye. So Elisha left him, and this is what's special about this moment, and this is what's special about every one of us in this room. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out and follow, out to follow Elisha and become his servant. He burnt the ship. He took what was his career as a farmer and he took the oxen and slaughtered them. He took the plow and he burnt it and he made it functional. But most importantly, he left behind what he was to become what God was calling him to be. 
I was a, a welder when I graduated from high school. I was a, a, a certified structural steel welder. So I was trained to make a lot of money burning up metal. Um, and I was just getting my foot wet in the welding business when I, got, when I became a Christian. And uh, it wasn't long after I became a Christian that that call of God came on my life and said, Ricardo, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, oh, I, don't, oh, I don't know about that. I'm a welder. <laughs> and uh, I just remember the pastor that I was sitting under, his name is Wendell Kruger, saying, that's God's calling on your life. So give it up and go train. Go to college. Go learn how to be what God's called you to be. And that's exactly what I did. And I think that too often we, we think that what we're giving up is the sacrifice. But what we're giving up is the anchor that will hold us back and keep us from becoming all that we can be. And I think we have to be careful that if, if, if Elisha didn't slaughter the oxen and burn up the plow, there's something to go back to. There's something to go back to. There's always something in your head. And, I, and for, even during difficult times of ministry, I always thought, hmm, maybe I should go buy a welder. I've been tempted to do that. There was a time where I, I, I'd left ministry and went into the corporate world and then had a blast. I enjoyed it. Started to make some decent money. And I was like, okay, this, this could be it. And then the Lord said, no, no, no. That was just training. For the next step in ministry I'm like man could have made some money and not that there's you know I'm, I'm, there's not money a lot of money to be made in ministry but it's okay God takes care of all of our needs and the beauty of it is is that when you are doing what God's called you to do there's nothing worth looking back at and I want to encourage you today. Let's be Elisha. Elisha ended up becoming a prophet and doubling what Elijah did. In his prophetic ministry, he doubled the amount of ministry, miracles, power of God, amazing messages to the people of Israel. All those kinds of things were just maximized because he burnt the ship. And I desire more than anything for us as a church, for you as an individual, for us as a church, to never look back, but to always look forward and see what God has for us. And to be obedient to everything that he's calling us to. And as we do, we have no reason to fear Jezebel. Jezebel later died. Jezebel went away. And God is certainly more powerful than any dark force that you and I will ever face. Will they cause us fear? Will they cause us a little bit of anxiety? Potentially. But most importantly, we have the beauty of knowing that God is bigger than any voice that we'll ever hear. It's not the hyper voice. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the fire. It's not in the big wind. It's in that gentle moment. And what I want to create right now is that gentle moment for God to speak to you. God is speaking to His church today. God is speaking to you and to me.
God desires more than anything for us to put, to burn the ship. Not go back to the old, but step into the new. Step into our purpose, our plan, our future, our our functionality as a church that we can become this difference in our world. Not with apathy and mediocrity, but with excitement and excellence and power and all the things that God has for us. And so I'm asking you to pray. No one can tell you this. Maybe somebody will run up to you at work and throw a cloak over your shoulders. That would be weird. That would be amazing. But the way God speaks now is through that gentle voice, through God's word, as you're reading, as you're praying, as you're walking your mile for the next 40 days. Let God speak. And as he becomes louder and louder as you kind of shut out the other things and let him speak you're going to hear him speak your purpose in life your calling what you are to do what you are to uh, be how God wants to use you and I think it's going to be special let's pray God I'm excited about what you're doing right now I'm excited about the power of your spirit to be able to speak to everyone in this room Everyone online that is listening or watching this message, I believe that you're doing something special. And may we be the Elisha, not the Elijah who's afraid of the, the dark forces of this world, but may we be the Elisha who is stepping up and burning the ships to never return to our past, but to move forward in our future. I believe, God, that there are those of, of us that have made the past our anchor that have made the past that part of our lives that are keeping us from moving forward. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that you help us to uh, raise the anchor and abandon the past and, and never look back. Burn the ship so that we can experience the joy of seeing the power of your Holy Spirit move through us as we move forward in your plan, in your purpose, in your cause. Forgive us, God, for fearing this world. There's nothing to fear because you are greater in us than he that is in the world. You are the most powerful God. You are the one who has the ability to deliver. You are the one who can use the simple to confound the wise. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you want to use us. And so I pray right now that you gently speak to each person in this room. That we sense your purpose and your plan. That we sense the direction that you want us to go. We sense the role you want us to play. We do what you want us to do. I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that, God. You're transforming our church. You're transforming our hearts. You're transforming our lives to be more like you every single day. Speak, God, I pray. One last call. There are people in the room that are even this moment being called to ministry. I mean, I'm, I'm, and all of us are called to be Christians and to sell out to the causes of Christ, but there are people in this room that may be being called right now to ministry, to be a pastor, to be a worship leader, to be a youth pastor, to be uh, involved in ministry vocationally somehow, to give yourself completely to the call of God. 
And it doesn't matter what age you are. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're in between, God can and will use you. And if you're being called right now, I just want to pray with you. And then I'll make a commitment to you. I will help you any way I can to get where God is calling you to be. Maybe it's serving here at Journey. Maybe it's, it's, it's becoming and getting the training and learning that you need here. Maybe it's, it's a missionary role, reaching someplace across the world. Maybe it's being a teacher. Maybe it's, and and th- those callings are unique. It doesn't make us better than anybody else. It just puts us in our place. But I believe that there might be that, that significant moment where God is calling you to ministry. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. It's not a commitment to anything other than saying, I believe God's speaking to me right now. I don't believe it's pizza. I believe it's God. Amen. Anybody else? Yeah, God's calling you to ministry. God's calling you to be involved on a different level. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love it. Because there is a place. There's a, there's a, a specific place. Oh, <laughs> I got goosebumps. Lord, I pray for these hands that have just been raised. I pray that in the name of Jesus, the anointing, the mantle that you're setting on their shoulders, Lord, would be revealed as far as clarity of what the next step is. How do I get involved? What is my role? What am I place? Uh, how, how do I need to train? What is my, do I need to go to school? Do I need to, to, to volunteer? Whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you take these hands that have been raised, that are, are sensing the voice of God, calling them to ministry. I pray that you help them find that place. And that the anointing would become evident in their lives as they begin to uh, use the gifts and the talents that you've placed in their lives. I thank you and I praise you for that. Have your way, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Have your way. And Lord, I pray that you silence the enemy's voice who will lie to them, who will, who will t- t- cause them to doubt, cause them to fear, cause them... I pray that you just keep that voice silent so that they can enjoy the next steps of their journey in faith with you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray your blessing on every person in this room as you call us all as Christians to burn the ships of our past and to move forward in our future as we wholly and wholeheartedly commit to you to follow you, Jesus. I thank you and I praise you for that. Now maybe, last thing, Maybe you're here and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You saw six people give a public confession of their faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them and their sins are forgiven and that they believe that God raised them from the dead as that water symbolizes you come out, you're alive and you're fully alive, not only for now but for eternity. And if that's you and you'd like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we just encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, Please forgive me of my sin. I accept your forgiveness based on the fact that you died on a cross so that I could have my sins forgiven. And I believe that you were raised from the dead and that promises me eternal life with you and an eternal relationship with you. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.